It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 810 for the 16th of September, 2022. This week, smartphones are ideal companions, but they're easy to lose and easy to steal. Taking preventive measures before something bad happens and preparing to deal with a missing device is well worth the relatively small amount of time required. In short circuits, we can't eliminate errors and stupidity, but we can ensure that we can recover from stupid events. What we need is something that will save our data when undo doesn't work or isn't available. Say Excel, and just about everybody will think spreadsheet, analysis, or math. Certainly, Excel is the right tool for calculations, budgets, and accounting, even for creating a perpetual calendar. But Excel has some powerful text capabilities, too. And 20 years ago, only on the website, in 2002, Windows updates were often installed using a CD, but users had to pay for shipping the CD. Some updates could be downloaded for free. Service Pack 1 weighed in at an amazing, in those days, 40 megabytes. And Microsoft said it corrected about 300 bugs. Smartphones are popular because they are really tiny computers that fit in a pocket, browse the web, send instant messages and email, take photos, and occasionally are used to make phone calls. Because they do so much, a hacked or stolen smartphone is more than just a gigantic inconvenience. Protections may eliminate the problem, and preparations can help recover if something bad does happen. Losing a phone is easy because these devices are small. They're also very attractive to thieves. Start with protections such as using facial recognition, a fingerprint scanner, a long security code, or a pattern. Ignore four-digit pins because they offer little protection. Using a fingerprint or facial recognition means you won't need to enter that long security code frequently. In some cases, you may be able to pair a phone with a smartwatch so that it stays unlocked for some period of time as long as the devices are close to each other. The phone should automatically lock, and although this slows access to the phone, it's a lot better than having a thief gain access to all your data. If the smartphone offers a Find feature, be sure to have it enabled. On most Android phones, go to Settings, Security, and make sure that Find My Device is enabled. Some Android devices call this feature Find My Mobile, and they place it elsewhere on the menu. For iPhone users, go to Settings, Your Name, and then Enable Find My Phone. You can share your location with friends and family, see your device's location even when it's offline, and send the phone's location to Apple when the battery is critically low. Make sure automatic backups are enabled. This is very useful when you acquire a new phone, and it makes the transition a lot easier, even if your phone is never lost or stolen. Many experts recommend not storing passwords and other sensitive information on the phone, and that's good advice in general. However, the alternatives are just as bad. Nobody can remember hundreds of passwords, and carrying them in a notebook is even worse. 
Instead, install a password manager such as LastPass or 1Password that offer a version for your smartphone. Password managers require a master password, and that password should definitely not be stored anywhere on the phone. One common way that scammers gain access to the information on phones is by using social engineering to convince users to install malicious apps. This is more of a problem for Android users, but iPhone users aren't exempt. Download apps only from the App Store, and be careful even then. Some bad apps have been known to get through. If you absolutely trust a vendor, downloading an app without going to the store is acceptable, but still be careful. Also, examine what permissions the apps want. Many request far more privileges than they really require. And while we're on the subject of apps, it's important to keep them up to date because many of the updates actually address security issues. Keeping both the phone's operating system and the apps up to date improves security. Examine the apps you've installed occasionally. Delete those that you don't use. Android phone users can program a message on the lock screen. Mine asks that the phone be returned to me and lists my wife's phone number. This is a good safeguard if the phone is lost and then found by an honest person, not so much otherwise. If your phone doesn't have the option, consider taping a small note to the back of the device. Any app that allows for two-factor authentication should have that feature enabled. This is another choice that slows access to your data, but makes it immensely more secure using SMS messages and authenticators, such as those from Google and Authy. Adding that second security key will stop most scammers in their tracks. Unless you're using your smartphone at home with a Wi-Fi connection to your own router, enable a virtual private network or VPN. Google provides an automatic VPN for its Google Fi phones. If your phone or your service provider doesn't include a VPN, add one and enable it whenever you're away from your own Wi-Fi connection. Some unique numbers are associated with your smartphone. These numbers can be used to identify the phone if it's stolen, so be sure to write down the International Mobile Equipment Identity Number, IMEI, or the Mobile Equipment Identifier Number, or MEID. These numbers are part of the phone itself, unlike information stored on the phone's removable SIM card. If you have the phone's IMEI or MEID, the number can be added to a list of lost and stolen phones. That at least makes it difficult to sell the phone or activate it on another network. You should be able to display this information by opening the phone app and dialing star pound zero six pound. That will display the important numbers on most phones. To prepare for the worst, learn how to wipe all of the data from the phone remotely. The process varies by phone and by service provider. If the phone is missing and you're reasonably certain it has not been stolen, see if the Find My Phone feature can tell you where it is or have somebody call it. If the phone has been just misplaced, that might resolve the issue instantly. If not, immediately wipe the phone's data. You do have a backup, right? Then file a report with police, the phone service provider, and your insurance company. It would be a good idea to contact your bank and have accounts frozen if the phone contained financial information. Even if you have a password manager that has its own strong password that isn't stored on the phone, it's a good idea to change all of the sensitive account passwords immediately. That includes email accounts, banking and financial institutions, and stores. 
If you're lucky and you're able to recover the phone, perform a factory reset and reload everything from backup. That's an important precaution because you don't know what somebody has done to the phone while it was out of your possession. With luck, you'll never need to perform any of those recovery tasks. But it's good to know what they are, just in case, because there's somebody out there who would really like to have your smartphone. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, although we can't eliminate mistakes and stupidity, we can try to ensure that some stupid events can be recovered from. What we need is something that will save our data when undo doesn't work or isn't available. There is no undo if some small group of humans starts a worldwide nuclear war. That would be game over. Likewise, if we fail to account for climate change, it won't be the end of the planet, but it will be the end of Homo sapiens and most other life forms. The planet got along quite well without we humans, and it can do so again. So those aren't the kind of things to consider in this context. Instead, think about the oh no second. Tom Scott, a British technology writer with a YouTube channel, may not have coined the term Ono Second, but he used it in a video a couple of years ago. The Ono Second, he says, is the second after you make a terrible mistake. The second you realize what you just did. I've experienced a few Ono Seconds. Two memorable ones occurred in the early 1990s and in May of 2000. I was in the process of replacing the data drive in my computer in the 1990s. In those days, disks had to be initialized and then formatted before they could be used. The computer had two disk drives, so I connected the third one and started the low-level format process on the new drive, or so I thought. It was all fine, except I wasn't running the low-level format on the new drive. I was running it on the boot drive. Despite cancelling the process within about 1.50 seconds, the boot drive was, of course, no longer usable. Fortunately, I had a backup, and fixing the problem, while annoying and a bit time-consuming, was at least possible. The event in May of 2000 involved the I Love You virus that infected over 10 million computers on a single day, and at least 50 million were eventually compromised. Mine was one of them. In fact, it was the office computer. I opened the attachment in a message that appeared to be from a co-worker. The attachment masqueraded as a harmless text file. It was, in fact, a visual basic script that started sending copies of itself to everyone in the company. Fortunately, I recognized what was happening, instantly yanked the network cable, and notified the chief security officer. The malware got no further than my computer, but it had started overwriting program files and image files with copies of the virus. 
Despite my relatively quick action, the damage had been done, even though it was limited to a single computer. After removing the virus from my computer, I had to get the damaged files back. Once again, backup saved the day. Files on my computer had been backed up to corporate servers, so all I had to do was restore them. Backup saved the day in both of those cases, but it was a different story for Tom Scott, who described the event in his 11-minute YouTube video called The Worst Typo I Ever Made. He committed the typo around 2005, when he wasn't yet 20 years old. What's remarkable is that he's willing to share the experience because it is clearly an embarrassing incident. But he tells the story well, even the part that didn't work out very well. What really went wrong was that a simple change didn't do what it was supposed to do because of a single typo. He was working on a live copy of the database. He hadn't issued the command using a technique that would allow him to roll back the changes. And there was no backup. You probably see the common thread here in my two events and his. Backup. Spare 11 and a half minutes to watch this video. Pay particular attention to the comments around the nine-and-a-half-minute mark near the end. The word Excel conjures spreadsheet or analysis or math for most people. Perhaps calculations or budgets or accounting. All of those are valid, but Excel has some powerful text capabilities, too. Maybe you use Excel to track names and addresses for holiday cards. Then you can use them with Outlook or another email application to send holiday emails, or with Word's mail merge function to create mailing labels, and maybe even personalized holiday letters. Excel can be used to create a useful perpetual calendar. Fill in the year, and Excel will create all of the dates. You'll see an example on the TechBiter Worldwide website, it's based on work by Leela Garani, a Microsoft MVP who knows a lot about a wide range of topics. She lives in Austria and has a master's degree in economics. I recommend her YouTube channel. You'll find a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. After making the calendar, I checked it out and noted that it correctly shows 2024 as a leap year. You can download the Perpetual Calendar Excel file from the TechBiter Worldwide website. There's a link in this week's story. The sheet is protected so that only the year may be changed, but this isn't locked with a password, so anybody can change anything on the spreadsheet by just unprotecting it. There is one primary formula that occupies the first Sunday cell of the calendar and replicates itself automatically to the 53 lines required to fill out the rest of the year. It uses the date function and the weekday function to determine the appropriate date for each cell. I show that formula on the TechBiter Worldwide website, along with two others that are used in conditional formatting. Conditional formatting is applied to display the date in light gray when the date value is not in the current year. The current year on my spreadsheet is cell H1. If the condition is met, the second conditional rule is ignored. And that second conditional formatting rule applies a light green shade to the dates in each month when the mod condition is satisfied. Check out Leila Garani's explanation of how to create the calendar on YouTube. And there's a link to that, too.
But my point this week is that Excel has some powerful text functions. In fact, it's had a lot of powerful text functions for a long time. Microsoft's developers have been creating new functions and processes that help users deal with text in the application. It is really a versatile application to use in preparing data for other applications, and the data need not be numeric. The current version of Excel has more than three dozen text functions. Four of those functions were added in the 2013 version, one in the 2016 version, and six in the Microsoft 365 version of Excel. But don't mistake Excel for InDesign, Word, or even a basic text editor. Although people have used Excel to create text documents, that's more of a misuse than a use comparable to using a pair of pliers as a hammer simply because you don't happen to have a hammer, or using a subcompact car to move your belongings across town instead of renting a truck. Using the right tool for each job is wise, but within the context of normal spreadsheet operations, it's not uncommon to encounter the need to manipulate letters and words in addition to numbers. Besides the nearly 40 functions that are designed explicitly for manipulating letters and words, Excel has functions such as XLOOKUP and TEXT-TO-COLUMNS that can be used with numeric or text values. TEXT-TO-COLUMNS has been around for a long time, and it's a lifesaver if you have data that includes multiple bits of information in a single field. Let's say you receive a text file or an Excel file that contains people's first and last names in a single column. If you need to be able to use the first names and last names independently, text to columns is the perfect way to split the information in the name column into columns for first name and last name. Some of the new features in the Microsoft 365 version make the process even better. Text split breaks the text in a column into multiple columns based on delimiters. This is a function that can split text into multiple columns or multiple rows. Text split can deal with one of the most common problems faced by the text to columns function. Not every name in a field will have just a first name and a last name. A well-written text split function can deal with the presence of middle names or initials and name suffixes. To see a list of Excel's explicit text functions, see Microsoft's Excel support website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Excel has included data validation functions for quite a while now with auto lists, but the Microsoft 365 version adds more flexible validation functions. Auto lists allowed users to create dropdowns that included all valid entries. Users could list the 50 state abbreviations as valid entries. If you do that, you'll find quickly that you do need to add the District of Columbia. Puerto Rico, and our other imperialistic possessions, that's not too bad because the full list is still less than 100. But what if you need to give users the option to choose from thousands of possible options? Model numbers, for example. A combo box form control responds when users start typing, and Excel will display a list that matches what the user has typed. So Microsoft has added autocomplete to drop-down lists for the Microsoft 365 versions of Excel, create a drop-down list the way you normally would with data validation. When the user starts typing, a match will automatically be entered. If multiple possibilities exist, the user can then select one and press enter. I said that Microsoft 365 users have half a dozen new text features. On the day I prepared this podcast, these were still in the beta version of Excel. 
It's likely that they'll be included in the next general release, but there are no guarantees. Here's a list. Array to text returns an array of text values from any specified range. Text after returns text that occurs after a given character or string. Text before returns, as you would expect, the text that occurs before a given character or string. Text join combines text from multiple ranges or strings. Text split splits the strings by using column and row delimiters. And value to text returns text from any specified value that can be numeric or textual. These are in addition to the existing text functions, such as lower, proper, and upper, which convert existing text values to all lowercase, capitalize the first letter, or convert the text to all uppercase. Clean, which removes any non-printing characters from the text. Exact, which compares two text values to determine whether they are exactly the same. For example, dog and dog would not be identical if one of the words is capitalized. Length, which calculates the number of characters in a text value. Left, mid, and right, which extract specific numbers of characters from the left or right end of the string, or from a specified location somewhere in the string. In total, Excel has around 500 functions, including those for compatibility, cube operations, database manipulation, date and time functions, engineering operations, financial calculations, logical functions, lookup and reference actions, math and trig functions, statistical calculations, and web functions. There are many online tutorials for Excel, and Spreadsheeto even lists the 30 functions every Excel user needs to know. Check out the link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. If you use Excel but you haven't explored more than just the basic few functions, learning more about the advanced functions is almost certain to make your life easier. You won't need a spreadsheet to check out 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website. This week, in 2002, Windows updates were often installed using a CD, but users had to pay for shipping the CDs. Some updates could be downloaded for free. Service Pack 1 weighed in at 40 megabytes. Microsoft said it corrected, and amazing in those days, 300 bugs. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>